right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I'm your host, Kai McHugh, and joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Jim Root, Matt Cox. Every Wednesday morning, we'll be dropping a new BBOC episode, talking all things betting in the world of college hoops, leading up to conference play in January. But fellas, conference play is here. It's changed. November is when conference play is starting. We'll talk about that today. Some weird conference matchups to start the season off. See how we feel about that, guys. I have some thoughts. Uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about key games of the week. We're going to do our normal slate of live dogs of the week, some blowouts to be on the look for, uh, some power games of the week. We're talking the big boys, some little guys, some mid-major games of the week, and some just claw your eyes out of the week. Don't bother watching these unless you're a huge degenerate like us, like Jim, Matt, and Kai. And then finally, Jim, we're spotlighting some of those conference games I mentioned in the introduction. Fellas, you ready to jump in? Oh, baby. I am ready. I don't care how deep the water is. I'm going cannonball. I don't care if it's deep and shallow and we're, we're diving in boys. Cannonball. Yep. I'm with you. I'll do a little can opener behind Jim. Not as uh, risky, but sort of a half-ass risky follow to my boy, Jimmy. Cannonball followed by a can opener. Well, let's start guys. Live dog of the week. Trying to pick out some money line dogs here for you to feast on the week after Thanksgiving. You feasting on dog? Yeah, we're right. Come on. <laughs> oh, well, we don't do that in this country. <laughs> well, we're going to skirt that issue. And we're going to go right into UNLV at SMU. Kempom has this game at minus eight. This game's tipping Wednesday night. My first question for you, fellas, what's wrong with SMU? Jim, after collapsing three times in second halves, they needed a Herculean effort to beat UL Monroe. And meanwhile, UNLV's covered a couple games. Their schedule's been nuts. Do you think UNLV can pull off the upset? I do. To reply to your question, what's wrong with SMU? I would say, what isn't wrong with SMU right now? This team has plenty of issues. There is a coach on the hot seat. Uh, They have a little bit of banged up injury concerns. Kendrick Davis hasn't been the all-American threat that we really hoped he would be. It's just been kind of a disappointing year. Blown out by Oregon, lost in overtime to Mizzou. You can't do that. You can't can't lose to Mizzou. And I just, I think this UNLV team is talented and kind of on the up and up. They, yeah. they got blown out by UCLA. So last game, notwithstanding, but they were really feisty with Michigan, nearly beat Wichita State. I think getting Jordan McCabe in the lineup has been huge for them. Uh, he's been kind of the, the steady, the ship point guard, set other guys up. I wrote about this on threemanweave.com if you're curious, but I, I just think the team's pretty solid, well-coached and, and they have talent. Now, the only thing they lack is size. And I don't think SMU is going to crush them inside. Yeah, they just play hard. Um, love from their feistiness that we saw in the desert there in the MT showcase. And then back to SMU, not to beat the dead horse that's already 10 feet under another five feet, but just taking a step back, looking at this roster, it's basically two mid-major up transfers starting in the Weathers brothers, although I think we agree that Marcus is better than that sort of in a vacuum pedigree context. And then Zach Nuttall from Sam Houston State. And then Tristan Clark, who's on like his, you know, kind of has the robo hips, sort of old man over the hump type of thing. 
and you're left with Kendrick Davis and Emmanuel Banduel. I It's not a good roster. I'm kind of questioning why wow. I ever fell in love with the roster. Maybe it was more of the coach and, and the Kendrick, the King Kendrick rise to, to royalty, even though he was probably already at that point. So I don't know. I'm trying to understand where I went wrong with that one. And I'm with Jim. I think UNLV is going to be a live, live dog. This spread might come down lower, but I think they have a real chance to win this game. I frankly don't trust either team thus far in the season. So Aww. I might pick another game here in, in the slate here. I know, Jim. I know. Not a great start. I'm getting you on. I'm going to get you on board with UNLV at some point this year. You're you're going to tug you over to my side and you're going to you're going to come on over. I'll keep tabs on that, folks. We'll see if Jim can do it. Let's go to our next game. Oral Roberts at TCU. Now, Kim Palm has us at minus 11. This one's Thursday night. Fellas, I'd be shocked if this spread was this high because Oral Bob has been on fire. This is absolutely a game, in my opinion, worth sprinkling. Now, Matt, Oral Roberts has not been good away from home. They're 0-2 against the spread versus 2-0 against the spread at home. 5-0 overall, three wins against non-D1 opponents, whatever. Right, right, right. There's Oral Roberts coming to Fort Worth. You don't just go into Fort Worth. No, you don't. To Fratworth, Worth, absolutely <laughs> not. But Kansas City. Uh, what's the – they have a new stadium. I forget what it's called. But anyway, it's not Cameron Indoor. Schollmeyer Arena, Matthew. Oh, vintage vintage venue Schollmeyer classic do you remember no, when they Matt, were re- re- redesigning the court and it looked like really yes. scaly horned frog stuff and it wasn't done but people <laughs> thought it was and we we're like they're playing on that like it was a weird gray uh, I, it would have been a unique it, home advantage it would have been and then before that they played at like uh the fort worth ymca at least that's what it looked like from the the yeah. camera angle anyway I don't care where this game's played, to be honest. I think Max Aismas is on the up and up and his Eagles are starting to soar. I think if you look at that Central Arkansas loss and people are like, oh, gross. ORU's broken. They're not the same team as last year. And like that was just a weird random game that a lot of shots went in for UCA and a lot of shots didn't go in for Oral Bob. We've seen the Oral Bob team the last two games. Oklahoma State, they should have won that game, by the way. And then being Tulsa, I think they're going to go on a little surge here. A little confidence, getting that mojo back from last year. Maybe the start was more of a hangover from the Cinderella run. And yeah, just because ORU had some stinkers to start, you're getting some really good value here on the, the money line Sprinkle. So this is, I think, Jim, you picked out the best one on the board for the next week or so. Yeah, I, I love Oral Bobby. They're, they're coming on. You, you mentioned shots not going in. Aismas was three for 18 at Central Arkansas. <laughs> Like that is all time fluky for him. He, he's too good for that performance. Uh, Oral Roberts, uh, Oral Roberts. That's fine. I like Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts. They're a little it. weak. They're a little weak in the paint. So Emmanuel Miller for TCU could have a big one, but it's just it's they're, they're not strong enough. They don't have like a true center. Like if they played somebody one of those Big Ten powerhouses with like TJD or Hunter Dickinson or something, Oral Bob would be in a lot of trouble. But this is a junior matchup of Ohio State where it's like a versatile forward Miller is the comp to EJ Liddell. And we know this team can beat Ohio state. They did beat Ohio state. Ooh. So I am, I am in on oral Roberts winning this game. Yeah. I'll say this as well. TCU just isn't that good right now. They're letting teams hang around. Yeah. Uh, it's been a little disappointing. They can't really get away from these bigger spreads. I'm out of you both. You both talked me into TCU and I, I know. was drinking the Kool-Aid and now I'm spitting up that Kool-Aid. It's, yeah, it's ridden well, with poison. It's November 30th. We'll give them time. We'll see where they land in conference play, but at the very least, I think Earl Bob stays within double digits here. So Keep an eye on that spread. Uh, moving on. Wednesday. Back to Wednesday. Ohio, the Bobcats at LSU. Kim Pom predicts the spread at 12. Jim, the question on your mind and everyone's mind is, are the Tigers actually invincible? Because they've jumped up from 43 to 17 in Kim Pom, and they're sporting a top 20 defense right now. And I buy it. It sounds crazy to be like, LSU, Will Wade, 
awesome defense. What? How's that happening? Because last two to three years, that has not been the case. But there is length and athleticism and physicality all over this defense. They're first nationally in steal rate. They're fifth in block rate. They just make shit happen on the defensive end. And as much as I like Ohio and they're well coached and they have a, a budding young star at point guard, LSU has just overwhelmed every mid-major team that's ventured down to Baton Rouge. Like it, it's been disgusting. They beat Belmont by 30. They beat Liberty by 16, overwhelmed in the second half, beat Texas State by 25. Like mid-major teams haven't been able to measure up to this. I, I think LSU takes care of business. I think Ohio can hang around because they're smart and they have their bigs and forwards can handle the ball and make good decisions. They have a proven point guard, like a younger point guard, but a good point guard that we trust in Mark Sears. And you have to be able to handle the pressure against LSU. That's how they've put on these 30 to 0 runs, as Eric Melsman calls it, the spurtability effect the LSU has of this year. And so Ohio is partially immune to that just because of their DNA. This is a stay away for me in terms of a live dog. I, I think Ohio is probably the right side from a spread perspective, but in terms of money line sprinkles, this is not what I'm looking to go for. I am worried about the Dwight Wilson injury for Ohio all season. This probably affects him a little bit here in this game. Also, London McDay, who was all defense in the MAC last year. He's London not McDirty a, work. Yeah. yeah. He's not a starter by <laughs> any means, but man, he's important. He's a glue guy. Like I said, all defense. That that matters against a, a power team. You're trying to lock up LSU's offense, by the way, is top 20 as well. Top 30, whatever it is. It, it's, it's very, very good. Yeah, it's just good. Yeah. yeah Ohio gave up like a 33 to 10 run at Kentucky and LSU may not be Kentucky, but it's possible to put a run on them for sure. I kind of see a lot of points in this game. If anything, I'm, I might take the over. Ohio has the shooting for sure, and, and LSU, I think, is going to put up points in droves. Uh, so, so keep an eye on the total as well for Wednesday. All right, last one here before I kick it to Matt for maybe one or two other ones. DePaul is hosting Loyola Chicago in a battle in our city, Matthew. Yeah. Are we going to this? You know what? I'll should we go in? Should we go in tamper? Is the better question. That's yes, what folks want to know. Depending what side we're on, Loyola projected at minus five per Ken Palm. Now, I'm pretty sure Ken Palm has thrown in quite a bit of home here. DePaul's home, not that great to begin with, and Loyola is literally it's, taking. Come on, Kyle. it's not called Lose Trust Arena. It's Win, <laughs> it's win Trust win Arena. Trust, come yeah. on. Uh, but Loyola's taking the bus down or, or taking the train down to this arena. I mean, it's <laughs> it's very short. Uh, I like picturing here. them on the L, the red yeah, line. The L. <laughs> uh, but Matt, demons might be for real, man. Their, their strength and schedule might be a little bit weak right now. They've only played one top 150 team. But they're 5-1 against the spread. They're clearly better than last year. Loyola's pretty good themselves. Do you think DePaul gets it done here? A little money line sprinkle. Yes, I do, actually. Wow. And that's, that's, this, that's despite of the fact that I watched Loyola look very much the part as a power conference caliber squad against Michigan State and Auburn in no way overmatched in those games. We saw them destroy meddling mid-majors, low majors the first four games. So that was kind of the first litmus test. Then they beat the crap out of Arizona State. I know Arizona State's a little bit in disarray right now, but you win by 18. Uh, that still is worth something in my mind. So Leola is legit. I think top 40 legit. DePaul is, could they be top 50 good, Jim? Is that the upside? I'm, I'm against you. I, I think DePaul has is, is been a little bit fraudy so far, okay. and they're going to get right, exposed right. by Loyola. They haven't played anyone. Like yeah, Rutgers is the best team they played, and it took a wild shot-making exhibition late to beat Rutgers. I, I, I don't think DePaul is as good as they've shown. Great at blowing out bad teams. I, I think Loyola is going to wake them up a little bit. I like that. Matt, two for you from the Big Ten. Now, these are tough to call money line dog sprinkles, but... Spread's going to be pretty high in both these games. What are you looking at? Yeah, these should both be seven-point-plus spreads. I'm looking at Rutgers at Illinois and looking at Iowa at Purdue. Basically talking about two top five, top ten teams in the country, two of the best teams in the Big Ten looking to fade. 
And I don't know, maybe Illinois or fading Illinois and Purdue is foolish, but Illinois has had a massive problem closing out games. I think they have a propensity to let teams hang around. Rutgers could be in an all-time desperate spot, maybe getting Geo Baker back in that game. It just feels like one of those spots where you look at the score, it's like Rutgers is beating Illinois, huh? (laughs) Um, I mean, Illinois was bonkers hot and they still were up four or five against Notre Dame. Um, last night, I know that was without Curbelo, but everyone else played. Frazier was there. All the other dudes were, all the other horses were intact. So I don't know. I'm looking at Rutgers. There's a live dog. And then one more. And then with Iowa, Jim, we watched Iowa have Virginia on the ropes. Yeah, I was um, good. On the road. And I was legit. And they certainly can propose some mismatch problems the way Keegan Murray can step out, move on the perimeter, perhaps drag Kavion Williams and Zach Eady away from the rim. I know Purdue losing at Mackey is like happens once in a million years, but Iowa is that good this year. I think we disrespected them preseason and odds makers are still looking to catch up. I think Purdue smashes Iowa, unfortunately. I thought they were throwing in a lot of slop against Virginia early. And even in the second half, they had some shots that I didn't feel were totally consistent or or sustainable. As for the other one, man, I don't know what to do with either of those teams. I'm almost to the point where I think Illinois is a little better when Curbelo's out because he's so Um, sloppy with the ball. I agree. Uh, it, and it Frazier just, rocks. And Frazier's Frazier's, good. Yeah, Frazier's fantastic. Alon, uh, Alfonso Plummer's been really, really good. Steadier than we thought. He's usually very streaky. So I, I don't think I'm on board with either of these, Matthew, unfortunately. But I am keeping an eye on Iowa because I, I was just definitely too, too low on them in the preseason, and I'm still catching up. Uh, and I like, guys, I want one more because our producer, one of our producers, Tommy Freeze Pops, has a question for I'm us. A... Rhode Island's heading to Providence this week in what is arguably the the number one rivalry in this state in college basketball. Brown is insulted. Brown's insulted, as is Bryant. There are four teams in Rhode Island. That's ridiculous. Two in Minnesota for those keeping track at home. Yeah, Uh, Huge rivalry. Can the Rams compete here? Can the Rams pull the upset? They didn't play last year, Jim. Rhode Island won two years ago. Providence won three years ago. Do you see Rhodey sticking around? I kind of do. I mean, this Rhode Island defense is for real. Like the, the shot blocking they they lead the country in block rate. The Mitchell twins are just beasts in the paint. And Providence is banged up right now. Jared Bynum is definitely out against Texas tech just announced. And I would imagine he'll probably be out for this one. So you lose a little playmaking there. Uh, Nate Watson's not going to be the normal, like, Oh, we can just throw it to him and get a bucket because of the Mitchell twins. So I'm not a huge fan of David Cox at Rhode Island, Matt, like not, not a coach that I trust, but I think this team's, Pretty solid. I undersold them as well. And Providence maybe uh, struggle a little bit with with some of their injuries. Yeah, I like Rhode Island a lot this year. I, the Fats Russell effect is I'm not going to go full blown Ewing theory that they're just better Do without it. him. Go, go but, Ewing. Theory. Okay, fine. Fuck it. I will. Yeah, they're better without him because you know why? They have Jeremy Shepard playing more on ball, who's like the antithesis of Russell. Right, more calm, collected, composed. Ishell Amin from Ball State, who was a star there, is a very effective, efficient, like off-ball complimentary piece. So just that tandem in the backcourt makes me feel oodles better than I did about the Rhode Island offense last year, which was, you don't know what the hell you're going to get with that team. And so with that sort of stability on offense, with the defense Jim talked about, I like the Rams. I do. I think they win here. They win on the road. I think they win. At the dunk. At the dunking. Impressive. Ken Palm's got the spread only on around four, so it will be pretty low. And by yeah. the way, for those that don't know about the history of Providence and gambling, you can bet a few people in the arena will have tickets on either side <laughs> of here. So uh, I would advise you if you're going to be in the building to hop in on the Rammies. <laughs> Very good, Matthew. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some blowouts, guys. Teams that we feel are just going to crush their competition. Usually involves a low major heading to a high major. Usually involves Central Arkansas. <laughs> Usually involves Central Arkansas, Jim. And, and in fact, that's who we're going to talk about right now. Yep. 
because they're going to Arkansas. Uh, yeah, in-state rivalry, baby. We're continuing the, the theme here. Kempom has it minus 31. This is Wednesday. Central Arkansas has lost by 35, 32, and then 45 to start the year, Matt. The roster's bad. It's young. Coach is fairly new, but they beat Oral Roberts. They took a 27-point loss to New Orleans. Okay, okay, okay. But then they covered against DMI and Presbyterian. So are they just, like, better than what I'm expecting? Can they stick with Arkansas? I kind of think no, but I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, either you're taking UCA money line or you're laying the points to Arkansas. I wouldn't go in between here. It's just two extremely high-variance teams, and Arkansas is built to put teams to bed pretty quickly. And I think UCA is, I don't know, I look at those results. I'm, what more true to form to me, Kai, is that disgusting, just not even competitive game against New Orleans, not the, the game they beat Earl Bob. So, yes, I'm not Arkansas fan in general. I think they're overrated. I think people think they're a top-10 team, and I think those people are a little bit off the rocker. But this is, a, this is one where Arkansas wins by 50. You can't get blown out by this version of Butler. That's my, (laughs) that's, that's my indicator here. They lost by 32 to Butler. Butler is, they've struggled with injuries, but this, that's not a team built to like demolish squads. Just ask Troy who hung around the entire time or IUPUI hung around against IUPUI. Yeah. That, that is more of an indicator of what central Arkansas does in buy games. And Arkansas is very athletic, still kind of figuring things out a little bit offensively and with rotations, but they're they're going to keep the foot on the gas pedal late. So I would definitely lean towards Arkansas. I think so too. And Central Arkansas's game with Baylor hit 84 possessions. I can see this yeah, one they, touching. They run. Yeah, I can see this touching 80. Central Arkansas plays the 27th highest tempo. Tons of possessions, lots of chances for Arkansas to blow them out. Pig suey, as they say. Moving on. Pine Bluff, Arkansas peanut butter. Peanut butter, baby. Iowa State, who is favored by 29 per Kim Pum Wednesday. Guys, Iowa State's ranked. We don't really pay attention to rankings here. We could care less about what the AP poll thinks. Not predictive, Kai. Not predictive at all. In fact, Jim, has there ever been this big of a discrepancy between a ranked team? Iowa State, I think, is around 20th right now. And Kim Pom having them 73rd, Bart having them 78th. That is a huge, huge discrepancy. Yeah, there's a lot of those preseason priors still baked in there with Iowa State. The expectations not really uh, in love with them coming in, but they took Memphis to the woodshed. And honestly, a pretty impressive performance. It was close for a while, and then I think the young Memphis team just quit. And that led to a a wider blowout margin. And I'm not sure Iowa State is quite to that level, but Pine Bluff is on just like a world tour. I guess they uh, they got to stop back in home. Played Arkansas Baptist at home, and now they're back on the road. I just don't know if I trust Iowa State as a massive, massive favorite, Matthew. Yeah, Jim, just to go back one more game in Iowa State's resume, they beat Xavier by 12. They were 10 of 20 from three. Xavier was three of 21. And that game was pretty close, I believe. Most, like, I think first, even in the second half, it was basically a coin flip game. So those two shooting, those shooting splits should have pushed that game to be a pretty large margin. And eventually it got there. All that is to say, Iowa State's better than we thought, but they're not like a top 25, top 50 team. I'm not ready to, to go that far yet. So given that, it's Pine Bluff, and they lost this team last year. So is that in the memory of the players who are still there? And there are not many of them. Um, but certainly if you lost no, no. swacked, they beat Pine Bluff by won. 17. Yeah, yeah, Pine Bluff won. So I'm saying no. you're Iowa State. Iowa do you State have won a... by 17. Oh, who did they... I thought they lost to I looked at the wrong year? Was it two years ago? No, Iowa State lost a bye game at home last year to Jackson State. Or sorry, not Jackson State. Ah, that's right. This is one of their two wins. I'm so I'm looking at the wrong thing. That's okay, okay, so 
So Pine Bluff's angry, Kai. That's my point I'm trying to make, I guess. They're going to come in vengeful with a whole new well, team. Producer, do not edit that out. I want I want us our complete confusion to be yeah. in there and exposed to those. New- I, I was yeah, brand new coach and brand new players. They're going to be so pissed off at Iowa State. Yeah. No, I have they, no idea, Kai. Yeah, they lost to Florida a two years ago. Hey, I, th- I look at Pine Bluff hanging around by 17 last year and thinking 30 seems like a lot. And I agree that Iowa State's not a top 25 team. Um, so I might dabble on Pine Bluff a little bit. I'm not sure this should be in our blowout category, Jim. Pine Bluff has snuck below Chicago State in the national rankings, though. That yeah, is- they're they're bad, and they're yeah. trying to play like really fast. It's an Oral Roberts assistance, so bad talent and fast tempo equal blowout recipe usually. These next two are interesting. Uh, number one, these are both from the WAC, by the way. Lamar at Mississippi State on Thursday. Kempom has it a minus twenty. Lamar hung with Georgia Tech and some other mid majors, but then they got blitzed, Jim, by forty two against Texas Tech. They were missing Jordan Adams and Kaysen Harrison. And I think if those two guys are out again, you certainly have to look at Mississippi State, who I think can put them in a sort of crock pot, like we like to say here, uh, and, and win this game by at least 20. Yeah, Mississippi State did this to North Alabama and Montana to start the year. I, I think they're probably going to blow some teams out this year. I don't know, Matt. What, what do you see with this one? I'm looking at Lamar's resume. I'm not super impressed by it, to be honest. Love that their best player is C.J. Roberts, former Mizzou recruit, I think, right? And New Mexico State player. New Mexico State player. So uh, just love uh, re-underscoring former Mizzou players who have made their pay in other destinations. I have no take here. I don't think Lamar's that bad, but you're right, Jim. I think Mississippi State's a good uh, large favorite, per se. Rio Grande Valley at Texas on Friday. Texas minus 25. Hey, Rio Grande Valley is not that bad. They're four and one against the spread, but they are playing super fast, Matt. And we know that leads to blowouts. We say it all the time. And this team is on the same plane athletically as Texas. They're not in the same astrological field as Texas. And that leans towards a blowout. I do think Texas wins this game by 30. I like, I kind of like UT Grand Valley. I'll be honest. I'm sorry. I'm going against the blowout city Explain. section. Name Explain. here. Oh, I, gonna, I, these aren't all picked as blowout city. I'm saying these are possible. Potential. Yeah. I'm going to go discuss. the other way here. You're right. This, this is a team that can't defend the rim at all. It's a team that's tight. Kofi Coburn, I think, at 38 on 11 of 15 shooting. There's literally no chance to stop him inside. It's Kofi Coburn. It's a different animal. And Texas doesn't really have like that bona fide post player. They're a little more perimetery right now. So I actually think it sets up for UT Rio Grande Valley, who plays really, really fast under figure, to actually compete run up and down with the horns. They're not going to beat them. Um, but I think they can keep it within 10 to 20, closer to 20, maybe. I think the problem is that Texas is playing super slow. They're playing Chris they Beard. Grinding pace, yeah. 351st in tempo. I, the, the, the totals have been really low for their games. And so to get to 30 is a little bit tough here. Uh, they were able to do it once. They destroyed Houston Baptist in the opener. But since then, it hasn't been like total obvious blowouts other than that San Jose State game. But te- did you guys see Texas just played that students only game in their like women's volleyball arena? No. It was awesome. Oh, Sam, Houston? Sam, Sam Houston State really? they played. It was like 2000 students were the only fans in attendance because it was this tiny little cracker box. And you could see like the volleyball court on the on the. I love that. Uh, the, it was Screw really, really cool. Screw so, alumni. I, Fuck alumni. No one needs them. <laughs> they, they, they don't go to your games, by the way. There's no alumni at your games. Mizzou being stop, your games. Stop by the invoking way. our stupid Tigers. Yeah, that's my Even though they're coming up shortly. Stop. They're coming up in a was, little bit. I was on the over that game, played 59 possessions. The over did hit, but. That was probably Oof. a lucky play by, by old Kai on that one, being in a different gym. Hey, sometimes you get lucky in betting, guys. All right, next section, power games of the week. We got the ACC Big Ten Challenge, guys, and that's where we're going to start here. Florida's heading to Oklahoma on Wednesday. Florida minus one per Kempom. Matt, Florida's a top 10 team right now. They are just incredible. Five and one against the spread. Over nine-point cover margin on average 
OU is three and four against the spread. I've been on them all four times they have lost. That's a frustrating stat for old Kai, <laughs> but that's also a fact. Matt, who do you like in this game? So top 10 team per Ken Palm. They are number 10 in Ken, Ken Palm, Palm currently. Yes. I don't think we're going to call Florida a top 10 team. And if you, if I'm you'd close, like to do man. so, I'm Jim is, Jim is buying in. Jim, I, okay. I, I will say tread lightly, my dear friend. I don't know. I look at this res- resume, Kai, the Ohio State game. Ohio State's a shell of itself right now. I thought Florida would handle Ohio State with more conviction, to be honest. And you look outside the Florida State game. I, I don't, I know Florida's defense has been awesome, awesome. The offense still doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. And that's what I need to see a little more from, uh, especially in this match against Oklahoma that will defend the crap out of you. They're covering by over nine a game. Yeah, it's the defense for me. The defense They're, is awesome, right? I just don't know if I trust the offense yet. It's more wait and see on the offense. I, and I, that I offense think, will be tested against OU. I just think the defense is good enough. Like they're in the 99th percentile in half court points per possession, and Oklahoma's not going to run. So good luck scoring in a half court against them. This is Florida's first road game, and they do have you know some disparate pieces that have come together quickly. But maybe there's some fraying on the in their first roadie. But man, I like the Gators here. I, I just think they are on a rocket ship right now. And yes, Matt, I should tread lightly with Mike White, but I love what he's done. The offense is very different. I think our guy, Eric Fawcett pointed out that last year they had nine shots off of screens, nine threes off of screens last yeah. year. And they're already it's at kind 12. of a throwback like, offense. It really they've is. completely changed everything. Like I am, I'm in, he, he's made coaching decisions that are conducive to this roster. So go Gators. Yeah. I, I'm leaning towards Gators too. I'm worried about Oklahoma's offense, man. It's struggled this year so far. And this Florida defense is is nails. Like it's 11th in Kempom right now. I think it ends higher than that when, when all is said and done. Uh, next game is Michigan at UNC. Also on Wednesday, Michigan favored by four per Kempom. Michigan gym has taken some lumps this year. They lost to Seton Hall. Obviously, they failed to cover against UNLV. They lost to Arizona. They failed Got to cover against Tarleton. Mashed by Arizona. Yeah, their own four ATS last four. But UNC's tragic. Their own six against the spread <laughs> this season. And they're now 50th in Kempom. Can you back UNC in this game at all? I kind of might, actually. I don't know. Michigan's still figuring itself out offensively. The identity is not clear. Dickinson has not taken double-digit shots like enough this year. I think he took six shots against Tarleton and nine and ten shots in the two Las Vegas games. They need to be feeding him until he burps, and they are not doing that. That's like, you know, Carolina's defense has been awful, but I don't think Michigan has figured out their system offensively. They they looked incredible that first like 15 minutes against Buffalo. And since then it has not clicked for them. I think this is the one where North Carolina gets it done. Uh, Might not be pretty Matthew, but I think the heels get a win here. Yeah. I don't have any, I I was going to, I'll just lead into your second one here as sort of a broader point, Michigan at, at North Carolina. And then we're talking about Virginia tech at Maryland here in a second. To me, both these matchups feel like two teams struggling um, they get like that home get right spot that feels right for a good performance closer to the caliber of team we maybe expected preseason. We'd all admit that both UNC and Maryland are worse than we probably expected, but are they this bad? And I think this is a spot where they sort of have an upward correction, if only for one night. So yeah, I'm kind of with Jim. I'd sort of a, yeah, you trust the UNC in a pseudo home dog spot. I was feeling UNC after that Purdue game. Honestly, the margin was not indicative. Like they, they really hung around, punched back against Purdue. But the Tennessee game was awful. And then not being able to get away from Asheville, who was missing one of their best players, was just kind of a, a the doornail in the, in the door for me with UNC. Uh, they have the bodies to throw Dickinson. They have big bodies, but I still think Dickinson probably finds his way there. And it's really hard to trust these UNC guards. They're selfish. They're really erratic. I, I, I'm going to have a hard time, Jim, back to Tar Heels, but I, I kind of lean that way. I don't know. It's really hard yeah. to say right now. The, I, I like the ACC team more in the next one that Matt alluded to. 
I think Virginia Tech wins at Maryland. Well, Maryland's favored by one for Kim Palm. They are hosting Virginia Tech. This is also on Wednesday. And yeah, Jim, I, I trust Virginia Tech far more than the Terps. Frankly, I can't believe Virginia Tech lost to Xavier. That was a yeah. very odd result. Yeah, I, I threw some jabs at them. Xavier missing three starters. But they did still have Scruggs, who's arguably their best player. Jack Nungie has been a revelation for Xavier. Yep. So I think Virginia Tech is just better coached and the depth won't be as much of a problem here or lack thereof. So I, I'm going Hokies here, man. I know you you sound like you're kind of buying in on a bounce back for the Terps. I am. And I hate them going Maryland against Vatek. It just feels like a fool's errand. We talked about how Vatek was 5-0 against the spread coming into the the MTE, and then they played Memphis and Xavier and get exposed partially. And Virginia Tech, I mean, they went with smarts and they went with execution. They're not a super athletic or explosive team. I mean, Mutz and Aluma are, I wouldn't call them bad athletes, but I call them average athletes. And they're more inverse, inverted in out guys. I don't know. I worry that they might be a little bit of a sell high given what we learned in the last two games. Uh, I like Virginia Tech's guards. Their primers are excellent. And the Terps without Marcel, a little bit different defensively. Russell's was it, was it not? 10 minutes ago, Matt was trashing Fats Russell. And now yeah, he's like, I love a Maryland Fats Russell team. How no, dare just, you, I didn't say I love I didn't say I love him. I, it's more of like a, an unfortunate lust in this particular spot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> two I'll, probably, more guys. I'll probably divorce immediately after. <laughs> two more we're going to highlight here. Non-ACC Big Ten. This one's on Friday. It's Kansas against St. John's in Elmont, New York. A brand it's new a, arena. Yeah, UBS Arena, I think it is. UBS brand new. Arena. KU minus eight. It's a semi-home for St. John's. Not a true home game here. Matt, I just can't believe Kansas lost to Dayton. They are nine for 20 from the free throw line, four for 19 from three. I guess that's how you blow a 15-point lead. Uh, but St. John's, man, what are you doing? Couldn't cover against Fairleigh Dickinson. You're down at half to St. Francis, New York. You needed overtime to beat NJIT. Can they bounce back against Ooh. Kansas, who might be the second-best team in the country? I don't know, Jim. I'm torn on this one. I kind of want to buy low on St. John's because I thought they were impressive in parts against Indiana, a game I watched from start to finish. Um, I, th- I think John's is going to be a, oh, we care about this game. Kind of, it, kind of play, yes, it's like they have they have two, very Jekyll and Hyde. They have two versions of itself. And Which I think we, the good yeah. version shows up here. We thought like, oh, this team's built to destroy bad teams because of pressure and playing fast. And it turns You're out <laughs> you, have, you have to care a lot to to play incredible pressure defense. And I just don't think they were engaged in some of those games, even with Posh back against NJIT. Uh, but this one, man, I think they'll be dialed. I think we'll see a lot closer to the performance that we did at Indiana. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wouldn't bet this because I'm guessing the number will be right about what I'd make it. But I don't think St. John's gets runs out, run out or anything just because of their poor of late performances. Concur. Johnny's your classic play to your competition team. Good yeah, or yeah. bad. So I do think they can hang around here. Uh, finally, Alabama-Gonzaga. This one's in Seattle. A neutral game of sorts. The Zags minus 10 per Kim Palm. It's on Saturday. The Zags finally fell, Jim. They lost to Duke. You were there. And then Gonzaga got dragged into a war with Tarleton, which every team certainly has this season. Whereas Alabama took a head-scratching loss to Iona. They were 13 for 25 from the free throw line. That's pretty bad. Who do you think wins this game? 10-point spread. That's pretty big for Alabama. Yeah, I kind of think Gonzaga wins. I think I really like the over. Just yes. the, the slingshot effect of Gonzaga. Like we just had to play in quicksand muck against Tarleton. And now we're going to play against Bama who wants to get out and run transition. I, I think it's just going to be a ton of points. Like this could be a 95 to 85 game, Matt. I, I know the total will be high, but I don't think it'll be high enough. And schematically Gonzaga's two point field goal percentage this year, 66.66 repeating Kai. They're making two of every three shots inside the arc. That's because they're mostly layups. 
And Billis, I think astutely commented that this is the best cutting team in America. And I was like, that's a bold take. But then you watch that game and it was came to fruition. I mean, how many open backdoor cuts does that team get high post? And the way Alabama defends you, they want to stick to you like glue on the perimeter. I worry that they get burned by a lot of those. So I think the Zags did a lot of quick, easy cuts. Bama gets theirs in transition. And if one of these teams get hot, I think Jim's right. The over feels like a, a no-brainer here, even though it's going to be a sky-high total. I'm actually going to stamp the over as well. I do think it's a good play. I think the Zags do win by double digits. They're just too good up front. Drew Timmy, no answer. Yeah. yeah. This Alabama's is one of those games line. where you right. don't have a guy to even pretend to throw at him. No, not at all. All right, guys. Let's talk about majors real quick. We got the Battle of the Boulevard. Belmont is hosting Lipscomb on Thursday. Belmont minus 13 per Kimpum. Here's why this is high, Matt. The last several contests here, Belmont by 10 last year, six and five the year before four and two the year before that. So is 13 just wild for these two teams? It is, but I think this Belmont team is hashtag built different. I think this could be the best team that Belmont's had like in multiple decades, even as good, if not better than that team that went to the tournament. Was that three years ago? It was uh, birds last season. The one, yeah, the Dylan game. team. Dylan yep. Wendler team. Thank you. Uh, I see that type of athleticism on the wing, which is that sort of missing ingredient that Belmont doesn't always have. And I've just been very impressed with them. I think they take Lipscomb who's been solid, to the woodshed. Man, I, I think Lipscomb hangs around. They're too well coached. Alexander has the Lipscomb history. It's just kind of like such a familiar thing that I have a hard time seeing it be a blowout. And Belmont, they've they've been good, but not great. Like, I, I don't like that loss to Dayton uh, in, in the in the title game. And basically a must win if you want to have any at-large hope. That's and they blew point. that one. Yeah, yeah. So I think Lipscomb hangs around. I'm not going to pick them out right. But if it's 13, it's a little high for me. Yeah, it's high. In the rivalry game, it means something, guys. Also, yeah, no Lipscomb, home. No home. No. Number one in the country, Lipscomb. Effective field goal percentage. That's thanks a lot to shooting over 50% from three and also having a guy named Asana Sajil on your team. Those two factors help. I don't know if they're going to shoot 50 all year, but certainly enough to yeah, keep within 13 They points. have two guys on high volume shooting 63% or above from deep. That's wild. <laughs> very, very do wild. We have, do we have a nickname for... Abdallah? Asajula? No. Asajula? So. Sorry. No, I don't think so. Hey, hey, I should, we should work one. on that. Alcohol we need one because then, because we don't all say his name wrong again, like I just did. So okay. I appreciate you guys <laughs> procuring one. Uh, our next mid-major game is another rivalry. It's New Mexico State at UTEP round two. These two teams faced each other before. This one's on Friday, Jim. New Mexico State minus one per Kim Pom at UTEP. Game one didn't go so well for the Miners. No, and they, I think they were missing boom, and that one I'll have to double-check that. Um, but I, and Matt noted this. It's a weird schedule spot for New Mexico State. Like, they are going rivalry game New Mexico, rivalry game UTEP, rivalry game New Mexico. I, it's hard to anticipate them being mega-dialed for all of them, especially after they've already beaten yeah. UTEP once. There's the revenge factor. Uh, I probably lean towards the minors here. Very well-coached team this year with Mr. Joe Golding. Yeah, I think you're looking at, so this game will be on Friday. On Tuesday is when New Mexico State would have played New Mexico. I would say if New Mexico State laid an egg in that one, you get like a little bit of a bounce back boost here. If New Mexico State blew the doors off New Mexico, maybe it leads to a flatter spot. I don't know. I'm just trying to think about the situational elements here. But they, like the New Mexico and New Mexico State UTEP tripod thing is an interesting like rivalry grouping. And I always like tracking those. And you get some weird results here. I think high variance is usually in play. Maybe a money line sprinkle on the Lobos Kai, when, sorry, I don't want to talk about that game here, but just when, when those two teams, when they play in Mexico State at UTEP, I would maybe have that circled on my list. Yeah, game one, UTEP 5 for 19 from three, 14 for 22 from the free throw line. But UTEP 4, 16 turnovers. I think there's enough there that they can win this game, especially at home, especially in a rivalry game. I do lean towards UTEP. I think they punch back here. All right, finally, 
Charleston at Furman, a little bit of a weird one here, not a rivalry at all, but two mid-major teams we are very high on this season. Kimpom has it minus 11. Matt, Furman's loss to Navy really upset me, especially because Navy just shouldn't be good, but they just are every single year. They beat Louisville. They lost to Belmont in overtimes. They're a tough team. Charleston's coming off a very solid win against Chattanooga. They're competitive against UNC. They got the doors blown off them against Oklahoma State. Do you think they can stay within double digits here against Furman? Yeah, I think Charleston has a chance to compete, and I hate going against my guy Bob Ritchie at Furman. But, uh, but Charleston has that dynamic where they have a legit low post score up front and John Meeks and some guys who can do some damage inside, and they have the versatility and speed to keep pace with Furman on the perimeter and, and guard all the perimeter action that they have. And there's nothing in Charleston's resume, Jim, that says what they've done so far is fraudulent. So I think they are for real and continue to be undervalued until further notice. Yeah, getting blown out by 30 at Oklahoma State's the big flaw in their ledger. And honestly, at this point, all that's doing is serving to keep them depressed in value, which is great for me. Like the one game they lost, I wanted to lose by 100. So yes. it, it skews everything else after that. And they were competitive uh, for like half that game. It was like a close game in halftime too. So it wasn't yep. like they were completely outclassed there either. Yep, second half just completely fell off the map. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they can compete here as well. It, you said you hate to go against Bob Ritchie, but you're backing Pat Kelsey, who is, I, I think, yeah. also one of the best mid-major coaches in the country. That tempo is crazy. It's hard to get used to. Uh, I, I would certainly go, especially if it's double digits. I don't think it will be because Charleston usually takes money uh, in, in the market, but I would still lean towards Charleston all the way down to like a touchdown. They've been really good at taking away the three this year, which is key against Furman. So I also lean towards the Cougars. Fastest team in the country. Come on, Pat Kelsey. Zippity-doo-dah. Oh, yeah. All right. And now some not fun games, guys. Our next section here, claw your eyes out game of the week. We have two in particular we're going to highlight here. Don't watch these games unless you got money on them. We always do. We're degenerates. So we're, we are going to watch these and, and bleed from our eyeballs. Robert Morris at Green Bay. Jim, Robert Morris just sucks. I mean, they, they just suck. And, and Michael Green was out last game. They sucked even more. And Green Bay plays under Will Ryan. So it's not going to be fun to watch. What do you think? I thought Robert Morris quit at Davidson. I, I was yeah. mega unimpressed with them in the second half. And I know they were down to starter, Michael Green, key guy, but it, it was bad. It, it was coming into the year. It was like, okay, I can see these pieces working together. There's a lot of new transfers coming in. The puzzle has not come together. It is still a disjointed mess. And, I, and yeah, now they're playing a slow down half court, grinded out unathletic team. This is going to be a puke fest, Matthew. I agree. I uh, won't be watching. Nothing else to add. I like Andy <laughs> Tool. I feel bad for him. That's all I'll say. And let's talk about Jim and my alma mater, Mizzou. And they certainly belong in the claw your eyes out category against any team they play. They're playing Liberty. They're traveling to Liberty. Uh, Mizzou can't shoot, Matt. And now they're going against a pack line defense who's going to force them to shoot jumpers. They're under 28% from three this year. And that's not an aberration. I think that's who they are. So <laughs> I don't know which way you're leaning in this game, but it's probably going to be played around the 50s. It is, man, I don't, I'm definitely not backing Mizzou. It's do I want to back Liberty? Jim, where are you staying here? I, I'm almost you, definitely backing Liberty and okay. I will likely also be on the under. I just think Mizzou against a yes, good team is under. bad, bad news. Mizzou against a well-coached team is bad, bad news. Mizzou on the road, something we haven't seen. And I think it will be pretty bad news. So it's all this confluence of factors that Mizzou is not a good basketball team and it's going to very much show up in this one. Uh, as Kai mentioned, probably plays in the 50s. I, I I think Liberty wins like 60 to 47 or something. Yeah. I mean, Mizzou might be the worst shooting team in the country. I'm so frustrated at my Tigers, our Tigers, Jim. And we knew I it coming in. Get, like he just recruited shooting. no shooting. Like no Boogie Coleman can do it a little bit, but man, there was no effort to bring in shooting at all. Uh, guys, we're going to finish off the podcast with the spotlight. 
spotlight on conference games. Spotlight. We have November conference games. Spotlight. We're not going to run through all these in detail. Maybe just some quick leans here. So the Big Ten we talked about earlier through Matt's lovely Dogs of the Week section. Iowa's heading to Purdue, Rutgers to Illinois. Quickly touch on ACC play here, Jim. Syracuse is going to Florida State on Saturday. I'm kind of leaning towards Florida State, just blind here. I don't really know what the number's going to be, though. Yeah, this Florida State team can actually shoot a little bit. They're bad taking care of the ball, but Syracuse isn't like super long on the perimeter or, or disruptive. They don't have the top of the zone guards. They give you a lot of problems. So as long as Florida State can figure out how to pass through the zone, go in and out, I think they get some good shots and could be in decent shape there. Matt, I'm just surprised. Maybe I'm not. But your boy, Coach K, does not have to play an early season conference game. I wonder how that happened. I wonder if he made any sort of special request at the league office. Uh, no, I'm sure they just bowed down at their willingness, Jim, because um, <laughs> everyone, there was a line around the corner to do lovely sign-off things for Coach K. Um, Kai, on the list here, I want to get to the MAC conference Please. kicking off. Can I get to microcosm of a general trend I'm looking to follow this year? I was thinking that first or early conference games like in November, December would be good under bets because typically conference games tighten up games, a little more slower, more drag out type of rock fights. And it's, it's sort of a disjointed part of the schedule where there actually could be value on the under, but the data says no, no, no. Yeah. Um, and you know what else says no is my one game anecdotal Stanford at Colorado went way over. So oh, yep, there you go. One for one this year. <laughs> so don't buy into that. I feel like that'll be a narrative you might hear or you might want to look into. I'm just trying to put up a caution sign. Um, oh, but back to Iona Marist. Could be a slow drag out affair. Um, I think it actually might be a little faster <laughs> than a, With than that we think. said. <laughs> <laughs> this is the exception. Um, but it's John Dunn, and John Dunn has no interest in speeding up Rick Pitino with a roster that's definitely less talented. I worry Iona could be on upset alert here. And I love Iona, and I don't think Marist is that good. But the Mac is a weird fun box of crazy shit that happens yes. sometimes. And the games can get ugly and very like junior varsity, 4 p.m. What the hell's happening type of feel to them. So that, that's my concern for, for Sticky Rick Pitino and the guys going to, to Mares there. The Mac has always been a very difficult conference to bet within conference play. Those teams are basically even. I, I feel like you should be giving zero home to these teams. Uh, yeah. That's just kind of my like what I've somewhat learned over the years. I mean, you watch those games on TV. It's like there's two people in the stands, like every venue. Yeah. It's it's kind of They're all pretty close to each other. Jim, the Pac-12 starts, the Missouri Valley starts, the Horizon, the Big Sky. Any games in particular you're you're looking at from the conference slate here? I'm intrigued by the Horizon, and it's mostly because I don't know who the hell is good in that conference. Wright State thought they were going to come in and be a really solid favorite to win that league, and they've been bad, pretty much outright bad so far this year. We've got a, a game tipping early in that league, Northern Kentucky at Cleveland State. Northern Kentucky definitely on fraud alert. Cleveland State made the tournament last year, but it has not been like the leap that you'd expect from a team that brings back everybody. It's basically just been, they are who they are. So yep. I'm curious with those early horizon matchups, if anybody emerges as like an emphatic 2-0, and head into the new year with a lead atop the standings, because I, I think there's going to be a lot of one and one coin flips in that conference. Jim, I feel like Cleveland State wins the league in like a tortoise and the hare scenario where you just kind of keep creeping along and they're 12 and four and everyone else just kind of falls below the the pace in a, in a very non-emphatic fashion guy. Yeah, sounds right, Matt. Missouri what, Valley what, too, yeah. by the way. Yeah. One thing we always look for at start of conference play, but this is usually in January is like the reset button for teams that have been bad in non-conference play. 
But I think this is still in the mix of this, this November, December mess where it's not the same kind of reset button. So I, I don't think like you should revert to preseason expectations on a team at this point. That would be my, yeah, another caution. I agree. There's just a, a renewed sense of purpose for these teams that struggle right in the non-con. They're, they're once, all of a sudden yeah. zero and Once zero. it's like January, but yeah, right now it doesn't feel the same. Like, yeah, it, it's a faux, it's a faux conference feeling, Jim, in November. I don't like it. And slash December. We are recording this on November 30th. So all these games are December. I think that's it, guys. We're gonna we're gonna end it right there. All so, right, wrap it up, Kai. Fine. I, I will wrap it up. Again, thanks for joining us in the Big Bets on Campus podcast. We'll be coming to you every single week on Wednesday morning. Please remember to subscribe to the show on Spotify and listen to us every single week. Leave us reviews if you want. On, I believe it's on iTunes as well, guys. We'll look into that as well. All right. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. We're on the three-man week. Goodbye.